Hello and welcome to the Start a Ripple podcast. I'm your host, India Pearson, and I believe ripples are made when we connect movement with nature, not only for our mind and body, but also the environment too. This podcast is a platform for me to chat with inspiring folk who feel the same and have some fascinating stories to tell from their experiences. I hope the conversations that come from this podcast will encourage you to get outside, move, dream big and see what happens from the ripples you create. Time to introduce my guest. Del Reed is one of this year's British Canoeing She Paddles Ambassadors. As a whitewater kayaker, she spends her free time following the rain, travelling all over the UK chasing the rising river levels. Del also writes about kayaking and paddle sports in her blog, Del Likes Kayaking. She says, Kayaking is a huge part of my life and happiness, and I have a reputation for being quite a happy person on the water. What I lack in technique, I make up for with smiles and enthusiasm. Hi Del, thanks so much for joining us on the Start a Ripple podcast. Welcome. Oh, thank you very much for having me, India. Oh, it's a pleasure. So what I want to know is where did your ripples start? So if you could tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I went to New Zealand for a year. I was very lucky at my university. They offered quite a large study abroad program. And I saw this and thought, what a great opportunity. So I had a little look at things and decided that New Zealand looked like the most awesome place ever. And so went ahead and applied and very luckily got in. And when I moved to New Zealand, I wanted to make the most of every opportunity that I could. Uh, so I tried lots of different activities, one of which was paddling. Um, and I got really, really into it whilst I was there. I was very much a beginner and it was all very difficult and quite challenging, but there was something about it that just got me really hooked. So when I came back from New Zealand after my year there, I decided that this was something that I wanted to be involved with. Um, and it became very much, you know, my, my main hobby, but also everything that my life sort of revolves around now. Um, and when I came back, my mum would say comments to me like, oh, you seem really obsessed with this kayaking stuff. And it was an obsession, but I think that's just another word for a passion that I hadn't realised I had until I had that opportunity to get started. Um, and then the last six years, I've just been focusing on uh, trying to get better and hopefully match my skill level to my level of enthusiasm. Um, we're still working on that one, but it's lots of good fun. And I've got very involved in lots of different things along the way. I love that. And I think I've seen it written on your Instagram. You say what you lack in technique, you gain in enthusiasm and, or, and smiles or something along those lines. And I think it's so true. If you haven't got enthusiasm, then what's the point in doing anything, right? Um, now, I actually had a very similar experience at university. I went out to Sweden to study dance and had an amazing time. But I thought I was going out there to study dance and it turns out I was actually going out there to find myself. You know, I came back a very different person. I gained so much confidence. And I wonder if you had a similar experience when you went out to New Zealand. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think most people would, whether that's living abroad or taking on a very big life change. And I completely agree. You are a very different person uh, from when you come back from that experience than from when you started that experience. And that doesn't necessarily mean a better person, but you've changed um, in ways that then affect the rest of your life. I think for me, when they you know, talked about it in one of my lectures and said, oh, by the way, uh, we're doing a talk about going abroad and studying abroad. Everyone around you goes, oh, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be really cool to spend a year in Australia or go to America or, you know, all the other places that they had listed? Um, but then a lot less people went to the actual talk and a lot less people applied. And there was something about it. And I just thought I, I had a few worries about going abroad, but all of my worries just seemed so disproportionately small compared to the, well, what if I didn't go? What would I potentially be saying no to? And it just seemed like the obvious choice to apply. Um, and then it was quite a tough process to get through. But when I got into it and got accepted, I was just so happy. And actually, it's, it is a big step to move halfway around the world. It's um, New Zealand, for me, it's as far as you can get from the UK. So it's not as if I could move there and something goes wrong and I go, you know, cool, mom, I'm going to come home for the weekend. It's all gone wrong. There's there's none of that. You have to just be completely independent. And so going there, it definitely made me be a lot more independent about my choices. And if I wanted to do something, if I wanted to take an opportunity, even if I didn't know anybody else taking that opportunity, I'd go ahead and do it anyway. Um, and that's kind of what how I got really into involved with the paddling is there were lots of opportunities to try all these amazing outdoor sports. And in New Zealand, there's a very big outdoor culture there. So the university clubs, I think the five biggest uh, clubs at the university were all outdoor adventure sports. Um, so there's a whole culture of people wanting to go away on adventures at the weekends. And so having that confidence to just say, yes, I'm going to go away this weekend and, I don't know anybody, but that's fine because I'll make friends and I don't know what I'm doing, but that's fine. I'll have a go anyway. So, yeah, it definitely built my confidence. And I hope I brought that back when I moved back to the UK as well. Um, and I continued with that mindset of if I want to try something, if I want to have a go at something that might otherwise scare me, I'm just going to go for it anyway um, and take those opportunities that life presents to you without the fear I suppose, of the unknown holding you back? Oh, yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Um, it's one of the reasons why I always recommend to people to solo travel at least once in their life because, from my experience, it's such a liberating feeling going somewhere and not having to compromise with anybody else on that trip, you know, just doing whatever fuels your soul. And obviously, obviously for you, that led you to find kayaking, which is now, now your passion. Um, now, I'm always really interested to hear from people's first experience in a sport or something that they are now quite expert in, because I think it can be really intimidating seeing somebody, you know, looking amazing at what they do and very e can be very easy to forget that they were a beginner once, you know, we were all beginners once. So if you could share the story of your first time on a kayak with us. 
Um, I suppose it almost splits into two experiences. So most clubs, and I was associated with um, Auckland University uh, Canoe Club, most clubs will run pool sessions. And this is often how they'll introduce beginners, you know, in a safe environment, um, the swimming pool. And Auckland had such a huge uh, network of people. There was a lot of students, but also a lot of internationals. It's a very international city. And so you'd have like hundreds of people literally coming in these taster sessions. And so the very first session I went to, um, they had to split us in half and say, half of you have half a session on the water and then you swap. And because there's so many people and everybody's sort of bustling to try and uh, get in a kayak and have a go, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. So even at the beginning, like putting your spray skirt on, uh, which keeps you inside your kayak, I had no idea which way to put it on. And it seems so obvious now, but at the time I was sort of looking to my left and my right and going, oh, how, how do I do this? You know, does it go on upside down? Do I turn it round? Um, and eventually I worked it out with a little bit of assistance and uh, put it onto my kayak. But then again, getting onto the water, I didn't know which way to hold my paddles. Um, so that first initial experience was very almost bizarre I, I didn't have a clue what I was doing and even in that really controlled environment of the pool I couldn't keep it in a straight line I was going around in circles um, but it was it was a lot of fun it was something very exciting about it and in those first experiences they always get you to do like a swim test in the pool to check that you can um, safely exit your kayak and also to have a go at sort of holding your breath upside down so you don't um, get worried or anxious when you go underwater, which is a big part of it. So going upside down and then you hold your breath for as long as you can, whack the sides of your kayak and someone pulls you upright or you have to swim. Um, and actually, one of the times I did it in that controlled way, it's fine. But one of the times I did it, I'd just fallen over accidentally and was very unexpectedly upside down. And it felt like I was trapped um, in my kayak and that's a really nervous thing and I, I got out absolutely fine once I stopped panicking uh, but it is definitely a big adrenaline rush so that was sort of my first experience in the pool and then I was quite lucky in that they did a lot of beginner trips and so they'd have hundreds of people coming on these trips for some of the bigger ones and the first trip I went on we went away for the weekend uh, to a really really rural river it was in incredibly remote we were camping um, had a couple of days on the water and it was just one of the most like beautiful places I've ever seen it was so gorgeous you know there's no trace of humanity ever you're just on the water completely at ease and it was a mixture of you know these moments of wow I can't believe I'm here in the middle of New Zealand um, it's so beautiful it's so gorgeous but then also it wasn't a particularly challenging river. It was maximum grade one, grade two. So little ripples on some of the corners and so on. But when those ripples came, they felt like I was, oh my goodness, I'm going to go over. You know, it was the most terrifying experience. And you're on beginner trips, it, there is a lot of carnage. So left, right and centre, there's people capsizing, swimming out their kayaks. And you know it's a safe environment and none of the more experienced paddlers are worried they're just sat there having a bit of a laugh as they rope you all to the side, help you empty your kayak and try again. But at the time, you're just like, oh, I really don't want to go upside down. That seems so scary. And then you do it and it's fine. Um, but yeah, that was my first sort of main trip. It was just being in this amazing environment, but also having a lot of fear, um, <laughs> which I didn't realise at the time, but is actually 
uh, sort of a part of kayaking really and I, I guess for most adventure sports it's a part of the adventure sport is the fear and it's not so much that um, when you get better at kayaking you stop being scared it's just that your skill set matches um, the environment you're in and it is something I hadn't experienced before of sort of type one and type two fun of actually you can really not enjoy when you're going down that rapid but then afterwards you're elated that you got down it and you had that experience and I hadn't had that kind of experience before um and it's actually a massive part now of my own experience yeah. of kayaking. so let me get this right type one fun is when you're enjoying it in the moment and type two is when you enjoy it after so you can enjoy yourself sort of in that primary moment um but a lot of the times especially if it's an environment where you're being pushed you might just hold off that enjoyment till after it's over and I think you're so focused in the moment you almost at least for myself and I know this is the same for a lot of people it's hard to enjoy in that exact moment but afterwards you're really happy and it's yeah. such a strange feeling to describe but I think it just comes down to uh, when I am in a pushy environment, almost my nerves take away some of that enjoyment. And if I'm in a more relaxed environment or an environment I'm more used to, I can certainly enjoy it in the moment a lot more. Uh, but when I'm in a pushy environment, whether that was as a beginner on grade two or now on much um, harder rapids, uh, some of that enjoyment does almost have to wait until after the rapid has finished and then you have a big rush, you know, how, however it went, you have a big rush that you've completed it. Um, and that's a really nice feeling as well, even if at yeah. the time you felt very scared. Oh, I find this subject so fascinating because, yeah, I can totally relate. This this winter I've started wild swimming and I, I can't, I really can't admit to enjoying the before part, you know, the going in, the build up. I don't particularly enjoy being in the freezing cold water. But what I love is that feeling I get afterwards when I'm sat on a beach with a cup of tea or I'm, I'm back home and I've had a hot shower. That's when the fun starts. That's when I begin to feel really elated and the reason I go back for more um, compared to when I practice yoga where I'm very much having fun and enjoying it in the moment. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for sharing your perspective on that. Um, so let's go back to the kayaking. You, you, you would have returned to the UK, obviously. Um, how did you find that that sort of switch of kayaking New Zealand to returning to the UK, and how were you able to continue continue the sport or, on home turf? Yeah. So when I moved back to the UK, I was quite lucky in that I moved back to Nottingham, which unbeknown to me at the start of my adventure in kayaking is actually a hub for kayakers in the UK. So we have Home Pier Point, which is the National Water Sports Centre, um, and it's got a really good white water course. A lot of people come uh, to the course to get better at freestyle. So I had no idea that this was about 15 minutes away from uh, where I was actually living in the university area. And when I came back, I just decided that I didn't care how much effort it took. I wanted to get better at paddling. Um, so I got involved with the university club, but very quickly um, made some really good friends who were quite happy to look after me and really help me to sort of improve my skills. And I'd go down to the white water course a couple of times a week. And I was just so 
so bad at it. I mean, I think obviously as a beginner, most people are, but there was nothing I found instinctive about paddling. But it was just one of those things of every time I swam, my friends would fish me out and I'd get back in and try again. And eventually um, I stopped swimming at the course and I started to actually uh, progress my skills. Um, and I only stayed in Nottingham for a year and then I moved away. But I carried on as much as I could uh, paddling in all my free time. So it it becomes and I think this is probably quite common for anyone who does paddling in the UK because the rivers are so rain dependent. It becomes my whole sort of social calendar is focused on kayaking. So because you have often no idea when the rivers might come up, when the rain uh, might affect things and allow you to go kayaking. I'm always very reluctant to make any kind of social plans um, in case it gets in the way of kayaking. And so it did become sort of my absolute passion. And every weekend I would go, um, I wasn't able to get over to the white water courses often. Um, I've actually moved back to Nottingham now and I'm actually kayaking a lot more again um, on a daily basis rather than just at weekends. But it was after I started spending a lot more time at the weekends and also the white water course again, that I realized sort of how close uh, knit the community in kayaking is in the UK. So because there's a large enough number that you can always meet new people, but also the numbers are small enough that you see those old faces um, quite regularly, it's a really nice way to actually make lots of friends within the sports. And it feels much closer I feel than perhaps other uh, larger sports and that for me is something that I found quite motivating as well as how close the community was um, because every time I went kayaking I was just meeting friends and making new friends which was a big part of it as well um, so yeah yeah I I mean I think community plays a huge part in what we do it's why I started Fin and Flow because I wanted to create a hub for like-minded people to come together who enjoy yoga and paddleboarding um, and you know you've now found friends who understand why you have to keep your weekends free just in case it rains um, now speaking of rain uh, I'm really interested in how nature plays a part in the way we exercise um, and you're talking about sort of chasing the rainfall and stuff how do you incorporate nature into the way that you keep fit be it via kayaking or any other ways that you keep fit on a general basis yeah um, well I suppose I do all of my exercise outdoors so I've never been someone who's a bit of a gym girl or anything it's always been either on the water paddling or going running or going hiking so I spend a lot of time outdoors and I think particularly as you say with kayaking it's such a rain dependent sport and very dependent on the weather doing what you want it to um, and in, in that regard I think I'm a little bit unusual in that most people get really upset when it rains and I just get you know ridiculously happy every time it rains but you have to kind of respect what it's doing as well so you could put all of your sort of hopes on going kayaking at the weekend because it's forecast to rain and then when you check the uh, the river apps and the forecast again at four in the morning on a Saturday realize that it's not going to happen and actually you just have to accept that unfortunately that's part of your sport um but also as well, and in the UK in the last couple of years, we've had huge levels of rain and there's been lots of flooding. That's obviously caused a lot of 
uh, damage and distress for people. Um, but in kayaking, it is quite impressive because you you go to these rivers needing them to come up, needing rain for them to run, and sometimes find that not only is there being rain for them to run, but there's so much rain that they are now very, very much not runnable. Or even if you perhaps have the skill set for certain rivers, that it's not appropriate to run it because the area that those rivers are in are very flooded um, and that would be a little bit disrespectful to those communities and so on. And you just have to respect that, you know, whilst uh, nature as you like is a big part of my happiness and contributes uh, to me being able to do the sport I love, it's also very much in control of the sport I love. Um, and there's nothing I can do about it. If we get to the river and it's too high, then those are the days that you do just have to walk away, unfortunately, and sometimes um, not just walk away to another river, but just not go kayaking at all. Um, I guess it makes those times when your schedule and nature's schedule align even more beautiful because you can't pick and choose, you know, those times you go. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously you can go with the white water courses and so on. But even in Nottingham, um, the white water course, it floods out for a lot of the winter. So you can't go because the River Trent's too high. But it is amazing when I think of how many weekends I've got white water kayaking over the last five years, considering that's had to be rain levels coming in, uh, river levels coming in at the right time because of rain levels happening at the right time and also lines up with my weekends. Um, and there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, having to go to work and realising as you're checking rain levels that it would be the perfect kayaking day. Um, but I suppose in some ways it's nice because most people work um, and therefore nobody's going kayaking. So you don't feel like you're missing out too much. And like you say, it makes it on the days where it doesn't work out feel very special. Yeah, and it, and it's really great to hear how kayaking has affected your your physical health. But I'm also really interested to know how it's affected your mental health. You know that that whole idea that you're outdoors kayaking. How does that play an impact on your mental health? Um, I know you said that you started the sport in a swimming pool, and then you developed your love for it when you got outside on the river. Um, has there been times as well when you haven't been able to get outdoors on a kayak and, and how has that affected your mental health too? Absolutely. And I think for me, that's one of my motivations to go kayaking is it's not just paddling isn't just something that affects my mental health, but it really sort of is everything about my mental health. Um, so I am somebody who can overthink. I can get quite anxious about things and sort of my day to day life. Uh, get quite worried by things and particularly the last year I would say that my mental health has taken a bit of a dip uh, because of the situation we find ourselves in and I'd be surprised if most people's mental health hasn't been affected but paddling for me is just it's a massive relief it's a, a time away from those things whether it's stress relief or just um, relief from my overthinking mind and I think in part of it, it is that being in nature, being away from everything. And when you're going down the river, uh, particularly if it's only you and or you and one other person, it does feel very remote. So even going down the River Trent, of which I've done a lot because it's my local river in the last year, um, even going down the Trent, which is perhaps going through the middle of Nottingham City, you're still in the middle of this huge river and still very far away from people. Um, so that's a really lovely feeling. And it's also 
for me, it's a very mindful activity. So part of the reason I love white water is you have to be so focused on the moment that you know you're focusing on getting the moves right so you make the next eddy you get down this rapid you're choosing your lines that you just can't think about anything else and for me that's the perfect um sort of looking after my mental health because it allows me just to escape my thoughts for the day it's a form and of meditation I, isn't it? it really is it's a perfect form of meditation it's a perfect mindful activity but at the moment, obviously, we can't go whitewater kayaking and Nottingham's been in um, at least tier three since October. So it's been a good few months now where we've not been able to uh, go anywhere. But even just doing a lot of flat water for me has so many benefits. So perhaps I'm not focusing in the same way, but I'm trying to focus on my paddling technique, for example. Um, and just that getting outdoors, getting on the water makes such a difference to my well-being. And when I can't do it, I really do notice the effects. So in that first lockdown where we couldn't paddle or if things have been really busy at work and perhaps I've not gone for a couple of weeks and I know myself well enough now that unless there's a real reason for it, I know it's not worth skipping out on kayaking because it has such a negative effect on everything. Um, my mental well-being, my physical well-being, that it's better just to prioritise it. It has been very cold the last um, couple of weeks and we've had quite a lot of bemused looks working our way down the river and having to break the ice and so on. But um, it's still worth it. Yeah. Now, this brings us on very nicely to your fundraiser that you've got coming up. You're raising money for the charity Mind um, by doing a kayaking challenge. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about this challenge and why you wanted to raise money for the Mind charity? So just before Christmas, my friend James Ibbotson messaged me and said, do you fancy a challenge? And I was just like, yeah, sure. OK. Oh, wait, tell me what it is. Um, so he suggested that we train to do a 24 hour flat water paddling um, challenge uh, on the River Trent. Um, we're doing something called the Trent Loop, which is a 15 kilometre loop going down the river, back up on the canal and doing that continually, continuously for 24 hours to raise money for mine. So doing it as a bit of a fundraiser. Um, and I think for both of us, mental health is very, very important. And I've spoken about sort of my own difficulties, particularly with anxiety this year. And looking after my mental health is so important. And I realised that in this sort of current climate, there's a lot of people whose mental health really isn't a good way right now. And so we wanted to do something that was positive, um, that was contributing in a positive way, but also very importantly, you know, keeping it local. And so this challenge that we're doing in, it's at the end of March, 27th, 28th of March, and to raise money for Mind is a way that we thought we could make that positive contribution. Um, and it's, it's worked out really well as well, actually, in that, for me, it's been something to focus on for the last two months and for the next five weeks until the challenge happens, that I've not had time to be anxious about the situation. So I'm focusing so much on training for this challenge um, so that I make it through the 24 hours and, uh, you know, hopefully in one piece, that for me, that's really helped with my mental health as well. So... 
yeah it's happening at the end of March yeah if anyone's on the Nottingham Trent at that time on that weekend or is you know walking on the canal with uh, families do just give us a wave will be uh, the four very tired looking whitewater paddlers <laughs> 24 hours is a very long time <laughs> Um, now obviously being out on the water for that long you're gonna have a newfound appreciation for your environment um, and I know that the more time that I've spent on a paddleboard the more connected I've been to the environment you know I've noticed more litter and I've wanted to protect it even more you know who wants to paddle somewhere where there's litter floating everywhere um, so I'm interested to know if you have had this 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 happen to you as well and and how do you go about you know protecting the environment that that you want to paddle in so I think it would be very hard to not be involved in nature and uh, for so much of your time and for so much of your life without having a greater awareness of of nature but also of your impact um, on what's going on and I think paddlers are generally quite good about being respectful on the river they're a lot more aware about sort of not leaving litter, uh, picking bits and bobs up, um, but also being respectful. I think for me, a big one is being respectful of the communities that you're going to as well. So for example, when we go to uh, Whitewater Rivers, it's often in very remote places and just things like being mindful about where you're parking. If there's a little car park where they want you to pay a couple of pounds, um, parking fees in the, in the village that you're in then go and use the car park and pay those parking fees don't park up on the verge um, and potentially you know destroy the banks in in the villages when you're getting on on the river just being mindful that you're getting on appropriately you're not you know destroying the banks or destroying anything or uh, trespassing land when you're getting on and just being very mindful about the places that you're going to and I think just as long as you are respectful um, that works really well and actually there's some lovely places one of my favorite rivers is the river Towie in South Wales and there's a man who lives in one of the houses there that is literally right next to the get-off and he really loves kayakers and he always wants to come over I've met him a few times now and he just wants to have a chat and actually taking the time to have a chat and talk about him and talk about what you're doing it makes that sort of positive connections those positive relationships which are really important um, and one of my friends who's actually doing the paddling challenge he's a geography student at Nottingham he's very very mindful um, about sort of litter and the environment and for the last however many weeks now every Sunday he just goes on the section that we're doing for this 24-hour paddle and he spends the entire day um, filling a canoe with rubbish from the canal and actually last weekend so this is my friend Matt they managed to pick out 16 bags worth of rubbish in one day and actually, just one day yeah 16 bags which is amazing they're very very um, you know determined to make that difference and obviously most of us aren't quite on that uh, scale of amazingness but just small contributions can make a big difference and actually his his way of describing it is when he was doing that litter pick, when he's doing it every week, the response he's getting from the people who live on the canal boats or the local people walking their dogs by the canal path is really, really positive. And there are a lot of thanks for actually trying to make a difference and improve that area that he's using. 
Oh yeah, I'm really happy that you brought up that subject of respecting communities actually. As much as it's important to respect the environment, we also need to respect the people that live around the places that we're, we're moving in. You know, we all want to change up how we exercise by doing it in different parts of the country or the world even. But we need to respect the fact that we're going into people's homes where they live. Um, so obviously you set your bar very high by starting your kayaking experience in New Zealand. <laughs> but is there anywhere else in the world that you would like to kayak? For me, I do really want to go back to New Zealand. I planned a trip over Christmas this year, but um, COVID got in the way of some of those plans, so it's had to be put on hold. And part of the reason I want to go back to New Zealand is it was absolutely gorgeous, and I have paddled there before, but my paddling there was so limited by my skill set that I feel like swimming down the grade two rivers of New Zealand was not quite the same as paddling some of the best rivers of New Zealand. Um, so I really want to go back and experience it with a little bit more skill set to actually enjoy it. And also to see my friends, because there are people there who were very good kayakers who helped me in those early days um, when I was a beginner. And I want to go back and actually paddle with them again in a more balanced um relationship shall we say on the river which isn't just them fishing me out and other than New Zealand another one I'd really love to do is just a few more actual um European trips because so I'm a teacher and my holidays are great however they're very very fixed and there's a lot of classic trips that British kayakers will go on so they'll go to uh, various um Alps trips and because it is so dependent on the time of year um, when these rivers will be flowing, that it is usually at a time of year where I can't take time off work. And so I'd love to at some point um, perhaps just have an extended break or something and actually paddle a lot of these uh, sort of European classics that I've not yet got to experience. Um, and I'm very lucky and I have, I have gone to a few mm -hmm. places, I've gone to um, Norway and Austria but even just a French French Alps trip is something that I would really love to do at some point because I feel like most British kayakers have experienced that um, and I almost feel like I've missed out a little bit I want to go back and have that experience. You'll have to organise a school trip to go out there at that time take all the kids with you. <laughs> so you do so much work inspiring and motivating others to get into the sport of kayaking you know you're a sheep paddles ambassador for british canoeing that's how we met um, and you've also got a blog dell likes kayaking um, so could you tell us a little bit about the blog and how you came to start it because it, it's a fantastic read so at the start of the first lockdown um, it's something I'd wanted to do for a while. I've wanted to write and share my ideas perhaps a little bit more formally for a while. But at the start of the last lockdown, I suddenly found I had a huge amount of time and actually I could put those plans into motion. So having wanted to do it for quite a long time, um, I really got started and just sort of threw myself into it. And for me, I write my blog because I enjoy it. And I enjoy sharing my opinions and I enjoy sharing stories. And I honestly didn't think very many people uh, would read it. I thought perhaps my dad would read it um, and that might be it. <laughs> but that was fine because it was something I enjoyed doing. And actually, 
the more I was writing, the more positive response I was getting back. And it wasn't just from uh, friends who were very encouraging, but also people that perhaps I had never met before um, who were finding my blog and reading articles and getting in contact and actually going through some of my different articles, they would respond for a variety of reasons. So it might be that something had just really resonated with them and they wanted to share the fact that thank you for saying you've had this experience or you feel this way. I feel this way too. It's really great to hear that I'm not alone. Um, sometimes some of them would be perhaps uh, something I've really struggled with and it's taken me a while to find a solution to those struggles. And people would get in contact and say, well, thank you for sharing that because that's actually really helped me. Um, and that was something that was really nice to hear. So there was one article in particular I wrote called uh, Negative Thoughts and How to Deal with Them on the Water. And I didn't think anything of it at the time, but I've had so much response from that article of people saying, this is me. I have these thoughts. This is an issue that I have. And actually hearing that some of my suggestions have helped them was something really nice. Um, and it's quite a response as well, actually, from different people. So bearing in mind that obviously as part of the She Paddles programme, that um, this is the reason it was set up, but there is less women in paddle sports than there are men. Um, but I actually have just over uh, more women reading my blog than I do men. And a lot of the people who get in contact are women. Um, and so I don't know if it's just that uh, it happens to be those women have experienced those problems that I've been speaking about in my blog or what what the reason is. But it is nice to think that actually it's making a positive difference in terms of um, female paddlers as well. Um, Definitely. Which is I think so. Yeah, I think it's it's really important to be able to see people doing what you want to do. Um, it gives you a lot of reassurance. And if you're bringing up subjects in your blog that people can relate to, it just makes them feel like, you know, they're not alone and there's other people experiencing it too. Absolutely. And it's nice to think that hopefully it has helped someone. So you know, whether a lot of people just read it and say, oh, that was a nice article or whether lots of people are reading it and actually taking away things. But it's nice from those people who've got in contact to know that it definitely has helped someone. Um, and that's obviously part of the reason why you and me both signed up uh, to be She Paddles ambassadors, because we wanted to be able to help other women within the sport in particular, um, but other people as well in general. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how many women you'll get signing up to do a 24-hour kayaking challenge after you've done it and they've read about it on your blog. Um, now, earlier on, we were talking about nature and how wonderful it can be for the mind and the body. But it's also important to remember that nature is a powerful beast and we have to respect it and be really, really careful. Um, have you had any experiences where maybe you've underestimated the power of nature and you've realised how big and uh maybe a little scary it can be sometimes um yeah I'm just interested to know if you've got any stories around that I think the more experience you have the easier it gets to make very informed 
um, safe decisions. And obviously, you know, when you're early on, you might have less experience and you might have more of those um, experiences and then you learn from them and you make better decisions later on. But there's certainly days where things have perhaps not gone to plan and it's not something that you can almost always plan for. And it is an adventure sport for a reason. So there might be a lot of rain, the river's quite high, and you make that decision to get on because you feel like your paddling is in a good place and you're confident that, um, you know, you can achieve what's needed today. And I've never had anything, you know, truly awful, but I've definitely had days where I've come off and thought, well, was it the right decision to get on? You know, perhaps I've had a swim or I felt just very uncomfortable because it's been so pushy and I can be quite hard on myself as well. And so I'm always trying to second guess, or at least this is something that I'm trying to work on, but it is a trait that I have that I'm trying to second guess of, did I make the right decision? And I think hindsight is obviously 2020, you know, you can have a bad experience and say, oh, well, I should have known because of A, B and C, but actually you just add that to your experience bank. And then the next time you're in that situation, you might make a different decision. Um, but you, can, you can't control from everything. So as long as you're mindful about the decisions that you're making and also the effects it has on other people, um, I think you've just got to go with the experience you have. And if you're not sure, the experience of others as well. And if you're really not sure, it's probably best to walk away at that point. Yeah, and I guess because kayaking is so weather dependent and it has to match up with your weekends and so on, it probably can be quite easy to make the wrong decision because you're just so desperate to get out in the water uh, at a time that suits you, even if it's a, not at a time that suits nature. So I think that's a, they're, they're really wise words there. Um, okay, so looking back at the ripples you've made in your life, what are the lessons that you've learned the most to keep your mind and body healthy? Yeah, um, I think for me, it is definitely just sort of one over overarching rule, which is to be kind to yourself. So I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. I, you know, I like to aim to do the best that I can. And that's in work, that's in paddling, it's in everyday life. But actually, sometimes I can't always well, I say sometimes, a lot of the time, I can't always be perfect. And whether that is, I can't get all my work done for the day, for my job, or I feel like I've messed up in kayaking, I'm frustrated that I can't achieve a certain skill. I just have to remind myself that actually, you know, perhaps I've not got that skill today, or I've walked away from that river today. But be kind to yourself. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've not achieved something that you were hoping to achieve the fact is you tried and that's the important thing and you'll probably go away reflect come back and try again um and it's something I've had to learn I think because it's not something I'm particularly good at but when I remind myself to do it I feel a lot better um in every way really if I just remind myself to just be kind to myself yes kindness is key kindness to ourselves kindness to others and kindness to the environment too it all has a ripple effect see there you go <laughs> so if anybody wants to find you Del um where where can they if they want to find your blog or your fundraising challenge or just gen generally follow your adventures 
Yeah, so the probably easiest place to find everything is just uh, my Instagram. So it's Dell Likes Kayaking. I have a link to my blog through that. Um, and at the moment, because I'm training so much for the fundraiser, I'm constantly posting about that. So it'll be quite easy to find that one. Um, but thank you so much for having me today, India. Thank you for um, all your questions that you're asking and uh, letting me give those answers, really. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And Thanks so much for sharing all your stories. I'm definitely looking forward to following your 24-hour kayaking challenge. I think you're going to need a lot of a lot of tea on that one, a lot of tea, tea and cake. But good luck, Dell, and um, thanks again. Thanks so much for listening to the Starter Ripple podcast. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe and write a review. It helps other like-minded souls find this podcast too. If you want to get in touch, the best way to find me is via Instagram. I'm at underscore India. Or you can look up my wellbeing hub, Finn and Flow. Thanks so much again and speak to you soon.